power on. This episode of Sovereign at the Movies is dedicated to Chris Pasquini. We never forget family. Legendary films and TV shows. Or just pure shit. The legendary host, Dr. Brian Sovereign. Sovereign at the movies. In here, wait a minute. Is that is that ludicrous? Luda. Luda. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that's actually uh, Nelly. That's Nelly, right? That's Nelly. Okay, I am number one. That's Nelly. Yeah, got it. Anyway, we're actually well, we are going to talk about ludicrous, but uh, you know, it is hot in here, partly because of the temperature. Uh, it's a it's a hotter day on Ice Planet Zero, but also because whew, you heard her. It is Ellen Sovereign here Woo. on Sovereign at the Movies. Boy, it's about time I had a guest on this show. Yeah, it really is about time. Yeah. And I haven't been on in months, and the first show you include me on is this uh, movie review. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we're going to do more. You know, we both had pretty insane schedules, you know, as as late. Um, and this... Well, let's just say it. We're going to talk about Fast 9, that being the ninth installment in the Fast and the Furious. But uh, I've, you know, on Sovereign at the Movies, I've mentioned you many times, you know, because like a lot of the movies I'd be reviewing, you know, you had, you had also watched with me. Um, and I've just been dying to have you on this, you know, because I don't know, I, I feel like I'm... I'm a little too, uh, well, you're, you're well, okay. So movie wise, you're into older flicks, right? Yeah, sure. Yeah. I mean, you're not so much like new movies are this great and grand thing that I have to go see. No, not, not really. Yeah. I, mean, I like a range of movies. Definitely. Right. But, um, I do appreciate more of like a philosophical or story based bend in movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I just, I guess a lot of times I feel like I'm very world weary when it comes to entertainment. You know, I've just taken in too much over too much time and seen the greats and nothing usually matches up to that. Uh, I mean, for you, I know it's, it's actually really, I think in many ways the same way, like your favorite movie is Cleopatra. Right. You know, like it doesn't get more classic than that. Uh, perhaps literally. Um, so, you know, but I, 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 I really, I feel like you bring a different flavor and this is often 
our conversations during breakfast anyway. We've mentioned that many times, you know, that, that breakfast always, or a lot of breakfast will start off with. So, so, you know, out of 10, what do you give <laughs> whatever we happen to have watched? Um, so I, it's just a natural fit to have you on. Yeah, I guess it's true. You tend to like a lot more action movies, I guess. I do like some action movies. <laughs> Which I'm getting introduced to, and I don't think they're all bad. But I, I definitely uh, watch different kinds of movies, I guess. Um, yeah, I mean. If I was left to my own devices, it'd be like sci-fi, psychological thriller, something like that. Well, I certainly watch plenty of sci-fi. Uh, psychological thrillers, maybe not so much. But I don't know. We've not, There's nothing you've ever picked out where I was like, uh, you know, wow, why the hell did I watch that? It's always a joy. Yeah. So, yeah. Especially watching old Hollywood movies. Like the oh. first time we watched Ben Hur together. Oh. That was incredible. Well, that's one of my top movies. That's a top 10 right there. Uh, yeah. Well, anyway. So. You can't really top that. <laughs> ben Hur? No. I, I think most movies have been trying ever since it came out, you know? <laughs> as far as epicness and, right. and scope. But right. definitely, I think modern movies have something completely different. And. Mm -hmm. It's hard to compare them because they're not really on. It's it's like apples and oranges. They're not the same thing. It's different scales, I think. Different. Yeah, uh, different focuses. Too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, so we have a, a shared taste or a shared distaste, I think, for a lot of modern cinema. Um, but, you know, this is what we're going to get into reviewing here. This is a film series that I have continued to enjoy. Uh, even though I think it surprises a lot of people that I enjoy it because there's a lot of elements of it that are like anathema to, to what I like. Um, you mean like it's, it's not really intellectual. No, it's more just about the fast action. Yeah. And frankly, there's a lot of rap like, and, and usually oh, definitely in these later movies. Yeah. Yeah. More so. Um, and, and look, I mean, raps, people can like what they like. I don't give a shit, but it's not my cup of tea. It's not the, the soundtrack I want, you know, to, to, to my experiences. Yeah. And strangely, everybody listens to rap now and it seems to be in a lot of media. Yeah, boy. I mean, I've said this so many times and you, you well, I've said this to you because you're. <laughs> We've had this conversation in the car many times. Well, you're like, I mean, people got to understand that. You know, aside from from, you know, when when I get to, to like talking to Rob, like you're the only person I talk to, you know, <laughs> like, I, I mean, it's just it's schedules. It's being busy. It's whatever, whatever it is. Um, but, yeah, we've talked about this many. And, and of course, I mean, we live together. I mean, and you know, we're, we're, we're in, you know, just the most amazing relationship. But um, like I've said this so many times that I wish, you know, we hear cars go by. Or wherever, be it at home or when we're at the gym or whatever. And just once, I'd love to have a car go by that isn't fucking listening to rap, you know? And, and, and that, like, maybe is listening to, I don't know, Motley Crue, fine. Or just something oh, hell, Celine Dion. That'd be great. Somebody blasting that shit out. I mean, the one time <laughs> I got pulled over for, bla for you know, blasting my subs too loud in my car, you know, I was a, I was, uh, like 18 or so. Uh, I mean, I was listening to Tom Jones. I'd love to find out that somebody else did that kind of shit. Right. But no, no, you know, and that's the thing they pulled me over because they thought it was like, I don't know how they could confuse Tom Jones for rap, but wh whatever. I'm not knocking rap. I'm just saying that you get pulled I'm over if you play rap too loud. Yeah. 
<laughs> I just, boy, I just, I'd love it if somebody just drove by and I, I don't know. I, I don't know what it is. I don't know what's behind that. I think sometimes we hear classic rock and like, that makes me feel pretty good. Yeah. That's it, all right. Yeah. But it's usually like shook me all night long, you know, by ACDC. And, and yeah, you're right. It is all right. But like, it's also, it's always something, it's always like a hit. I think that's the other part of it too. So I want to hear somebody who's like really intentionally like, no, there's no doubt about it. They're playing that song off of Plex because not even Spotify would have that, you know, and, and, and it's just never going to happen. I have to do that duty. I have to do that job. I have to be the one, you know, that that's going down the street playing anthrax. Yeah. (laughs) Sometimes I feel bad because when I leave work, Mm -hmm. I've got this like angry, frustrated, like, I've been in work all day. It's yeah. time to get out angst. Yeah. And I'll like play metal music really yeah. loud. <laughs> yeah. And I don't think people are used to that either because I, I really haven't heard anybody else listening to metal. Right. Right. No, I, I agree. I agree. Even at the when we go to the gym, like, so this is really cool. People might not know about this. So Planet Fitness now, and I don't know if this is like franchise wide or I don't know if this is like company wide, but now you can select the music to play. Yeah, right. they've started this new music service where it's like a jukebox and you right. can you can choose like the next three songs or something like that. Yeah, yeah, you can and you can kind of keep loading it depending upon how many people are like like sending music or, or you know, are, are, are like uh, choosing songs to. Yeah, I mean, you have to log into the app and everything and be on the Wi-Fi there. Uh, but it, it's 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 kind of cool. Um, now, I mean, I'm like I'm kind of happy. What, what have we heard most of the time? Usually somebody's playing like like EDM. Yeah, last time we went there was a lot of EDM playing. Yeah, yeah. Um I think there was a point where somebody was playing some They played the Who. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there was Teenage some classic Wasteland. rock. Right. Yeah. Yeah, great song. So they're playing some classic rock. So yeah, I I don't know because beforehand they had some kind of deal with some record company or something and they would just play top 40 hip hop horseshit like all the time. I don't know. I'm probably going to lose listeners for even saying that, but whatever. Go, go ahead. Go yeah. Ahead. No, it was a lot of pop music. Yeah. Pop or I, I don't know what, what the hell it is these days. So pop hip hop. It's all kind of the same thing. Yeah. It yeah. all intermingles. But I, I, I like thinking about you, you know, like leaving work and you're like putting Pantera on or, or something like that. <laughs> and you're just, <laughs> the devil is a loser. And he's my bitch. Or Lord Lordy. Yeah. <laughs> Great choice. Great choice. Thank you. Yes. Uh, yeah. So always makes me smile. <laughs> it's fantastic. So, uh, yes. Um, <laughs> you're, you're, you're a big fan of Lordy. Like, you listen to whole albums uh, by those guys. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's <laughs> so much fun. I, I know. I, I won't get into, like, sexorcism or anything. But, okay. So... <laughs> Well, it's just ridiculous and over the yeah. top, and and you know it it can't be real. Yeah, no, 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 by no means. Uh, especially their song about He Man, which is probably their best song. But oh yeah, that one is great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, anyway, Skeletor is the coolest, <laughs> which is true. Yes, thank you. <laughs> As I turn around and look, oh, there he is. Anyway, Skeletor pop, riding what riding is that? Panthor. Panthor. Yeah, yeah, which we sometimes call uh, our cat captain. <laughs> he does look like a panther. He, he, he is. A, he is a panther. That one. Yeah, uh, he was actually just yowling for a few minutes. Yeah, so I don't know if, if you, they got picked up. By if the you mic. heard that, that was Captain. Yeah, he wants <laughs> to get outside and hunt. 
He's a, he's a hunter. He's a predator. Uh, <laughs> apex predator. Absolutely. So speaking of apex predators, Dominic Toretto. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, they certainly paint him as that in this oh, movie. Oh, yeah. In this movie. Well, in all of them. I mean, because, uh, in fact, there was, I want to say it was Fast 7, where, uh, uh, what's her name there? Um, shit. One of the one of the characters that they're picking up at the time where she literally calls him Mr. or like Alpha. And then he she sees uh, Michelle Rodriguez's character and says, Mrs. Alpha, you know, I mean, so they definitely play off of that whole, you know, kind of apex alpha male, you know, uh, concepts in yeah. these movies. There was a, actually a scene in the movie that I'm thinking of that reminded mm-hmm. me of another scene from Babylon 5. Whoa, look at you referencing Babylon 5. All right, keep going. <laughs> Please don't let me stop you. Uh, well, it's it's where um, so Sheridan is in this bar and there's like five guys approaching him. Mm-hmm. He's been drugged by the ex-security chief. Right. And... They all start pummeling him. And I remember hearing the commentary on that episode. Mm-hmm. And it was like they very much wanted it to be like a wolf or a lion being attacked by a pack right. of hyenas. Right. Where like they would be too afraid to go for him by themselves or even in the light of day. But yeah. when he's disadvantaged, they'll pile on top of him. Right. And so you felt like there was a scene like this with with Dom. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Vin Diesel's character. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Well, why don't we get into. uh, Yeah, I mean, that's certainly a part of it. Why don't we get into. I don't know that I necessarily need to review like the Fast and the Furious series, because, again, there's nine movies here. Go and they are going to go to 11. I think that's hilarious that they plan on going to 11. They'll probably do a lot more because the last fast and furious movie wasn't actually the eighth film. Uh, technically, I guess there are 10 because you also have Hobbs and Shaw. Um, and there's even like a, there's like a 30 minute film that they made that tried to explain like what happened to Letty uh, before fast before the fifth movie. But anyway, it's a very, there's a long road to watch on this, and it's also not linear. Like, I mean, it's not in chronological order. Like, Tokyo Drift takes place later on. We're going to talk about Tokyo Drift here um, because that movie suddenly takes a little bit of precedence again and gets addressed again in this movie. Um, but, yeah, watching the Fast and Furious series is can be a little bit of a confusing mess, but it's, it's always a lot of fun. Um, and I want to say this right at the beginning. So spoiler alerts, folks. I mean, you kind of already got a little bit of spoilers, but spoiler alerts. I called this. I said this years ago that they're going to go to outer space. The, the, the fa- only way the movies could be any bigger. Right. Was if they went to space. And hot damn, they did it. <laughs> they, they, they went to outer space in this movie. And I'm impressed, like the trailers, none of it, like that was fairly, a fairly well kept secret. Um, you know, I, I don't think anybody was really talking about that. The the ninth Fast 9, this movie, uh, did get delayed like five times, uh, literally five wow. times. It was origi- originally supposed to come out in 2019, and it only now came out in 2021. Um, we did go to theaters to see it. Uh, I had sworn off theaters, but this was the movie that I had always said, no, I'll go to movie theaters to, to see this one um, out of respect to 
Well, you know, these movies are all about family, right? They keep talking about family, family, family. Uh, I definitely wanted to go to theaters to see this movie. And I wanted to talk about this movie uh, because uh, the number one sovereign tech fan of all time, um, who is no longer with us, uh, he loved these films, you know, as, as much as I did. And so um, you'll probably hear it at the top of this episode that it's dedicated to him. But, um, you know, I, a little promise I made that, yeah, OK, I'm, I'll go see this one for him in theaters. Uh, but anyway, so the last film that we had was actually Hobbs and Shaw, which is like a side, you know, which is a side movie, a spinoff series. So Fast and Furious can go well beyond these 11 films uh, that are planned. You know, it doesn't just it's not this is not going to end. And I don't see any reason why, because it's got to be getting close to being the highest grossing franchise next to, say, the Bond movies or Star Wars. I mean, it's getting in that in that territory. Like Fast 8 was was one of those like billion dollar films. Um, So this movie is, I think, the fourth highest grossing in 2021 right now. And it's done worldwide about 500 million as of uh, July 17th, which our tickets would have been part of that number. Um, So it's doing well for 2021. I mean, because, you know, half the year, a lot of stuff was still closed. Uh, So for it to be grossing like that right now is still pretty impressive. Um, But anyway, so... This this series, let, let me ask you this, Ellen. I mean, do you enjoy the Fast and Furious series overall? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I've It's actually another movie series that I grew up with. I remember mm-hmm. watching the first Fast and Furious movie when I was probably seven or eight years old. That'd be about when it came out. Yeah. yeah. Um, like and 2001, somewhere around there. They've been, you know, coming out every year or two since then. Yeah. Um. And I love it. And I I love the action, the racing scenes, Mm -hmm. especially being an ex racer. It's just it's fun for me to to kind of take part and live vicariously through these movies. Sure. Uh, Even if sometimes it's a little unrealistic. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But like I know what to expect when going into these movies. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's a lot of fast racing scenes, explosions, gunfights. Yep. Um. And it always has a little bit of humor. So yeah. it's it's really just something that you watch, you know, for a good time. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it is. The, it's a spectacle film. Like, it's not something that's meant to be mentally, you know, like really engaging. Right. It's more so about like, oh, look at that car. Wow. Right. right. I would drive the shit out of that. Yeah. Big on cool factor. Uh-huh. You know, which is fine. I think I think cool factor. I don't. I mean, I've even said this about Star Wars. I think Star Wars's magic is actually just in the cool factor, even though people might not readily recognize that because it's fanta- so fantastical. Um, but I think that's that's where that lies as well. I think with 007, it's all about cool factor, you know, uh, and and maybe some sexiness and that. But you know, if you're into that, uh, but yeah, um, I mean, I do think. And this movie brought in some of some more of it. I do think that there are like little messages in these movies. In fact, I've even talked about how in the past and I've been requested to do an episode about this. I might get to that at some point uh, that the Fast and Furious films are like really like these very egoist, like egoist anarchism uh, uh, masterpieces. And you could make that argument 
but it's not really going to tell you that. Uh, though at times, see, here's the thing. So like in Fast 8, which was a great movie, in Fast 8, there there's some heavy philosophy that gets laid down by the villain character of Cypher, played by Charlize Theron, who returns in this film. Um, I don't think anybody's surprised by that. She's being like set up as the big bad um, she herself also plays up very much like an egoist anarchist, like whatever I have the power to, well, anyway, I don't want to get into all that. Uh, so, I mean, there's some, if, if you're looking at it and if you're, if you're like trying to ground what's happening and, and these relationships in these movies, there's some philosophy that you could pull from this. There's some, you know, mental engagement to be had, but it's also a lot of it's very surface level. Yeah, and I think there's there's a little bit of a feel-good factor, too, because mm-hmm. definitely the biggest message that's pushed in these movies is that family is the only thing that lasts. Yeah. It's the yeah. only thing you can count on. Absolutely. Um, and, I mean, you could really, you know, can you extrapolate from that? Sure. Like, there, there's, a, there's a lot that you can, you know, you can kind of pull from that. Um, so... You know, there, there's there's philosophical and there's some actually some very funny lines in this movie that are dead on accurate. You know, like there's a point where one guy says, like, you know, who forgot to tell you, but spoiled, uh, you know, spoiled rich kids run the world. Yeah. You know, and it's like, yeah, right. <laughs> you know, uh, so there's lots of little things um, like that in this film uh, that that are just like nuggets. They're fast, not furious, but they're fast. And I mean, it, it's there if you're looking for it, you know, but. That's certainly not the purpose of these movies. And I think the purpose overall really is just, yeah, the over the top action, the style, blah, blah, blah. They're comic book movies. In my opinion, they're, they're actually the best comic book movies ever made, even though they're not based on comic books at all, but they do the formula. Like they, they, they go with that formula now, even more so because now bringing people back from the dead par for the course, you know, yeah, it's happened multiple times at this point. Right. Right. Um, so I guess with all that said, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I love these movies too. I, I mean, you gave your reasons real quick. I mean, I, I love these movies too. Sure. Like the cars are cool. Um, I mean, I used to, I'm, I'm nowhere near the driver or was I ever like an actual, you know, more official race car driver like you, uh, by no means, but I was kind of inspired, you know, like the street racing thing. In the late 90s, early aughts, I mean, there's a reason they made a movie about it. There's a reason they made the first Fast and Furious. Um, I mean, I had like an ACR edition 98 Dodge Neon, and I thought it was, you know, I thought it was fun to have that sort of thing. There used to be races and everything. And, you know, I mean, I was kind of into it. Never got into the whole hip hop part of it, of course. But anyway... There's elements of that that I enjoy, but then ultimately it comes down to, yeah, I mean, I dig the action. Um, I dig the comic book formula done right because Marvel doesn't do it right, but Fast and Furious does. Um, Vin Diesel is fantastic. The Rock has been a uh, a rock for the series, and it used to be, I mean, before The Rock was, you know, the megastar that he is now, like this was kind of the guaranteed way, okay, we're going to get more rock in this. And of course, historically, I'm a huge wrestling fan. Um, I mean, I'm practically a wrestling historian. And so, you know, getting more rock was great for me because, you know, he was one of, one of my top guys, certainly during the Attitude Era. Um, so there's a lot to like here. You know, there, there's there's so it's such a smorgasbord uh, of elements that 
yeah, there, there's really something for everyone, which is why probably these movies do, you know, are billion dollar films. And then they're so massive uh, when they come out. So anyway, this movie, Fast 9, let's talk about this. Um, I guess I want to open it up with, and I'll, I'll, I'll answer the question myself and then I want to, I want to toss it to you. This is the first, I, I feel like minus Tokyo Drift, and there's something to take away from that, which is the third one, um, minus Tokyo Drift. I feel like every one of these movies has gotten progressively better. And I didn't think that was possible. Like that every single time it just gets bigger and better, bigger and better every time. This is the first one where I felt like, no, nah, that wasn't better than, than, than fast eight. Like I, I, it's a great movie. I guess I'm, you know, carp for the horse here or whatever. Uh, it's a great movie, but I did not think it was better than fast eight. And I don't know how I feel about that. I've been sitting on that for a few days, but I, I really can't believe that I'm saying that because I've been able to say for years now, for over a decade, no, they just get better and better, you know, and, and this is one where no, and it felt very much like a lead up to 10 and 11, like they needed to put certain elements in place, which we'll talk about. But how about you? Do you, I mean, do you think that, do you remember Fast 8 well to say whether or not you thought this one was better? Yeah, I kind of feel like they tried to pull some like cool new tech tricks mm -hmm. with this movie. Mm -hmm. um, and, and they did that instead of using like a giant carrier airplane or something right you know um so you don't get the huge factor with this one right uh they do use tank like tank vehicle armored vehicles they're not tanks but yeah they are uh, right they're armored vehicles right yeah um yeah I, I feel like maybe the the scale of it was a little smaller this time mm. mm -hmm. and that's that might be what makes it feel like a, a less good film so you do think this is a lesser film than eight? Yeah, I I don't feel like the action was really as like big and bold. Like right. it it was still there. It's yes. not it's not lacking any action at all. Yeah. Um, but there are some parts of it that seem a little bit slower. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, something I want to bring up quick. We can get into some of the technicals here or some of the details around production. Um, this is the first. Minus Tokyo Drift, this is the first Fast and Furious film not written by Chris Morgan. Uh, Chris Morgan has been making, has been writing these movies since basically like Fast and Fast Four onward. And I, and he also wrote Hobbs and Shaw, which I thought was a good movie. Did you enjoy Hobbs and Hobbs and Shaw? Yeah, yeah, of course yeah, I did. Yeah, I thought it was very good. Um, I, I think that is a part of the special sauce missing is that his clever action writing isn't on display. Um, so I think that's part of it. I think there's more, but that's important to note that, that like the main fast, fast and furious writer was not on writing duties here. The director though, was the return of Justin Lin, who also directed most of the fast and furious films, but he didn't do fast eight. Interestingly, uh, but I think Justin Lin is is genius. He's the same director and writer for um, Star Trek Beyond, which I think is like the best film of the Kelvin timeline. I really love that. Um, 
yeah, we'll get into it, but I, I feel like he was trying to be like, there's, there's very clever things in this film, but it feels like, eh, it's a little too clever and it becomes the cleverness becomes so much of a story element that it takes away from uh, what might be seen as somewhat more organic action. But we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that. Um, so you're missing that. Uh, I guess to get into other spoiler alerts, other things that you're missing, the rock is not here, but uh, there is a wrestler. There is a wrestler, which I also think is part of the problem. <laughs> but, the wrestler himself, <laughs> not that there is another wrestler. No, right, 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 right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I mean, because, oh, man, if they wanted to bring Stone Cold into this or I can think of some other wrestlers that, boy, it'd be like, fuck, if Hogan came out in the middle of this movie. Oh, wow. Oh, that'd be amazing. <laughs> For life, brother. I'd be, oh, it'd be nuts. But anyway, uh, so The Rock's not here. I felt like I felt like that that took something away from the movie, even though like I think even in Fast 8, I believe it was Fast 8 where he was kind of laid up through most of the film, you know, like he was in the hospital. Right. But still, he's he's the other actor that you believe is as big as Dom and can handle like Vin Diesel in general needs characters in his films to be rebellious against whether it's Riddick triple X or fast and furious. And that's kind of the thing. I don't know that he had that in this movie. He didn't have anybody to really like be rebellious against. And, you know, even if it's the rock to kind of tone him down, you, you believe that the rock and Vin Diesel could like go head to head. And I mean, in movies they have, and it's awesome. Uh, so well, I, go ahead. What do you got? Well, I, I feel like he did. There was definitely, there was an antagonist in this story. And I don't know if I should reveal it now or we should talk yeah, about well, this later. Let's, you're talking about the other wrestler, right? Yes. All right. So let's say it. So John, John Cena is in this movie. Um, and he's being serious as a heart attack in this film. It's not like in some of his upcoming movies where he's always like quasi comedic. Uh, he's serious as a heart attack in this. So we got John Cena. Tell me about it. Yeah. So... The antagonist in this movie is John Cena, who is playing Vin's brother. Right. He's another Toretto, which right. we never knew, never heard of. We've had plenty of movies to explore this, but the character comes out of nowhere. Okay, whatever. Right. And there's this whole setup in the storyline where you find out that something really heartbreaking happened when they were kids. Mm -hmm. And uh, Dominic blames his brother for what happened. Yeah. Um. And his brother's exiled, and he's really, uh, you know, angry and resentful, of course. Right. He's lived this whole other life as a spy. Yeah. And now he's going after the same technology that Dominic and his team are going after. Mm-hmm. So they, they are clashing, uh, but the whole time there's this undercurrent of where you're hoping that maybe they'll reach some sort of... Uh, like mutual understanding sure where they can uh, you know come together again as a family or something right and maybe that's why it doesn't feel as strong of of a villain or an antagonist i think john cena just he just sucks <laughs> I, I mean I, I didn't i didn't like him as a wrestler and he and i th i feel like he's as an actor he's even worse like I, and i and i've seen his films like actually the marine was a pretty good movie Okay, that was I think that was actually John Cena's first film. That that worked. Um, 
and very much is a very like fast and furious esque kind of film. Um, I, I don't, I don't buy him as, as the villain. Uh, he just, he, he, he really didn't work for me. Well, the villain story in this kind of, it kind of sucked too. I mean, yeah. that wasn't going for him because the, at one point it said in the film, <laughs> Uh, by Cypher, I think, yeah. to John Cena, like, I bet all you ever wanted was a hug. Yeah. And actually, there's a scene where Dominic is hugging someone. Right. And and John Cena sees it, and he gets pissed. Yeah. He, like, yeah. punches the wall. Because that is what he wants. Yeah. So, he, he, here's the thing. Like, I think Cypher is a great villain. Like, Charlize Theron owned it in Fast in Fast 8. Um. And because she's a great villain, partly because she's so believable. Um, like, I mean, you know, Charlize Theron's a great actress, but also like you got a lot of her philosophy in and her motivation in Fast 8. And what's interesting is, is a lot of that philosophy isn't wrong. <laughs> like she's she's kind of on point. You know, she's she's basically an extremist when it comes to genetic determinism. Um and I, I shouldn't say right or wrong, but it's a very logical progression of thought is is what I mean to say for her. And John Cena is just just a shit villain in comparison. Um, and I'm glad that we get to the point where Charlize Theron is the villain again, the one in control. But it took too long in the film, and I just wouldn't have wasted time having John Cena be the villain. Like, if you want to bring in John Cena, you think that's going to do money for you. Awesome. Have him be a henchman. Yeah. Yeah. Something like he just, <laughs> he, he can't take the lead. He can't. He, he's not not there for that. Um, what, what do you think about any of that? Well, I thought his acting was fine. I don't know. I guess I don't have as much of a, a personal vendetta against him as you do. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah. No, I thought he did a decent job at acting. I'll get this in and I want to make sure this gets in. There's a point where he gets like thrown off of the vehicle, you know, going at who knows how fast. I mean, probably like six, at least 60 miles an hour, maybe 70, 80, something like that. And he does, speaking of my history, hating this guy, he, he gets thrown off and all he does is he just kind of lands and keeps running. It's like, no, the fucking thing's probably going like 70, 80 miles an hour. You can't fall off of that and just keep running. Wait, is this when they're driving through the city? Yeah. Okay, that may be 30 or 40. Nah, I, I feel like, I mean, you're doing with these fast cars. Even then, like, like sell it. Okay, and this is the problem. And this, this, this gets <laughs> this into- This is John Cena's th problem. This is John Cena's problem, okay? Because when he's acting in the ring, when he's a wrestler and he's in the ring, this is long, I mean- what, see, so you have wrestling fans that are intelligent. I know a lot of people are, are surprised by that, but really you do. And you call they're called smart marks. Okay. That's, that's what you call an intelligent wrestling fan. And historically John Cena was hated by smart marks because, and well, not just because he was a shitty wrestler, but because like he wouldn't sell anything that the other wrestler was doing to him. If he got dropped, if he got like uh, body slammed onto concrete, he'd get right back up. And it's like, man, you get you gotta sell that fall. You you just landed on concrete, like rub your back or something, do something. You can't just get back up. And so he earned this reputation of being called Super Cena, 
by smart marks because it's like, what is he Superman? He can just get back up from this stuff. Granted wrestling's fake. I understand, but you're supposed to sell it. And in this movie, same thing. He does this. He does like this, this, this not even really a fall and just keeps running. And like, oh, it's Super Cena again, son of a bitch. And and like, I, I even wondered if like it was an inside joke uh, in the film, because there's a, there are inside jokes in this or not inside, but there are like, uh, um, you've got to really be in the know to get some of the jokes that I think are in this film that I think are in there. Maybe I'm reading into them, but this is one where I, I just, I, I couldn't believe it as soon as he did. I was like, wow, man, you can't even act in a movie like this, but regardless. So moving on. But everybody, to be fair, everybody in this movie is kind of a Superman. And that's, that's actually true. a running joke in the film as well. Oh, right, right. That Roman brings up where he's like, man, do you ever wonder, like, I've been shot at by yeah. 20 guys and not a scratch on me. Right. And they've been doing this for, you know, nine films at this point. Yeah, yeah. And and they, they're there's No still scars alive. to show. Right. Yeah, I... I wonder if they're going to, I don't know what they're setting up with that. Yeah. Because they brought up this concept of being invincible like mm-hmm. numerous times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, 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 yeah, I don't know where they're going to go with that, but it's very, I mean, there's some, at least the, see, here's the beauty of the fast and furious movies is they know their tongue in cheek. And when a film is self-aware like that, or when a film is self-aware that it's ridiculous, uh, I enjoy that, you know, because it's still being either on camera, off camera, very sincere. And so it works for me. Um, yeah, that, that is an interesting point that they, that they bring up in the, in the film anyway. So John Cena, I, I just, I, I didn't buy it. I, I, I didn't, I don't think he worked in the role that they gave him. Um, he, he basically drives off into the sunset at the end of the film. Um, so he's still alive. Obviously, he's going to come back. But I, I just thought he was the worst element of the movie. And they've, you know, introduced like some pretty big names in these films and didn't often give them a big backstory. But I always felt they kind of worked. Like when you bring in Kurt Russell's Mr. Nobody. All right, it's Kurt Russell. Let's go. <laughs> you know, that's fine. John Cena for me, man, it just it didn't work. It didn't work. There were a lot of um, flashbacks in this movie. Yeah, to when they were teenagers. Yeah, to when they were very young. Um, This was another part where I felt like the guy they had playing the young Dom didn't really look like Vin Diesel. That's just me. Uh, But how did you feel about all the flashbacks overall? Well, I think this was part of the movie that really gave it some of the, the, you know, feels. The, yeah, like the touchy feely emotional like, weight. Yeah, there's mm-hmm. there's some stuff that happens that's that's really heartbreaking, mm-hmm. and then there are things that happen that make you feel like, wow, they really love each other. Yeah, um, yeah. So I definitely appreciated that because it added more of an emotional depth to the movie. Sure, that wasn't there before because a lot of it can just be like, you know, soulless action, mm-hmm. <laughs> where it's just gunfighting, explosions, driving fast. It's all adrenaline. Um, right. But in these flashbacks, you do get to slow down and like see and understand what's happening in the background between uh, Dominic and his brother. Yeah. 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 I guess they're necessary to do. Um, it is a new thing for the Fast series. I feel like 
maybe what happens is, is when you get to this many films that have a shared continuity, you kind of have to do that. Yeah, I mean, sometimes they do the flashbacks. Like in previous movies, they did a flashback when, like, when Letty supposedly died. That's true. They show, like, what happened with her. In this movie, they do another flashback to when Han died. Yep, they play on that. And Han is back, by the way. He's Uh, not actually dead. Yeah, he's not dead. That that actor's back. I don't know what the deal is necessarily around, like, what the creative decision was around this. Um, But... Yeah, I mean, this is definitely, you know, saying that these movie these are comic book movies. I mean, this is the nature of comic books is that no character is ever really dead. You know, Superman, no, he's not really dead. Batman, no, he's not really dead. Green Lantern, no, he's not really dead. Uh, so, you know, maybe we'll get Gal Gadot back in future films. I don't know. Um, but that that is strange. I, I, because, I mean, they really made sure he looked dead, <laughs> you know, in, in Tokyo Drift. And in, and in later films. Um, but he's back and he's fine. And then he introduces another character. Uh, again, you see, this just plays into, I feel like this movie is really, really like setting up a significantly, it's setting up the next two films, but it's also setting up a significantly larger universe. Um, and I don't know any, any time a movie tries to do that too hard, uh, it, it doesn't always sit well with me, but anyway, so Han, Han is back. Um, they explained that Mr. Nobody by Kurt Russell was involved in making sure he looked dead and blah, blah, blah. And, um, uh, and, and of course we get a, a end credit scene with Jason Statham who, um, you know, and then Han like encounters him and Jason Statham was the guy that tried to kill Han, you know, so we'll see what that ends up becoming. Maybe Han is going to be part of the Hobbs and Shaw series. I, I don't know how that's, you know, what the purpose of that was, uh, how they're going to work that out. But, I mean, any thoughts on Han coming back? Um, I Yeah, I it must be for something else, because I didn't understand why they did it in this movie, except mm-hmm. that they wanted to introduce a really young character. And when I say really young, I mean, I think she's like 16 years old. This yeah. girl who's supposedly his um, adopted daughter. Yep. Yeah. I, I can't understand why they would bring him back from the dead. I mean, obviously, everybody's very happy that he's there. Sure. Uh, you know, it it's a very, like, sad and happy moment at the same time right. when he comes back and everybody's hugging him and they're all crying and shaking their head like, what just happened? Yeah, yeah. You know, they can't even grasp it. Mm. Um, But he didn't really like play a huge role in the movie besides that they they use him to explain how the the first half of the technology that they're looking for was right. captured um and when he was looking for that he rescued this little girl from well the r- little girl rescued him actually yeah, yeah. <laughs> from being killed cuz he got shot right, right. yeah i I kind okay. So I love the fact that I, I want to address this point, but I want to talk more about Han. I love the fact that this series makes it okay to be older than forty. Yes, like almost everybody in this is either pushing fifty, even the women, um, or they are over fifty. Like I'm pretty sure Vin Diesel's over fifty now. 
Um, I'm really, really impressed by that. And, and I love that. Like, cause we also get the return of Jordana Brewster's character, uh, you know, playing, uh, Mia, right. Uh, Mia, which is Dom's sister. Uh, I think any other franchise would have left a character like that behind movies ago, you know, like, like a decade ago, they just wouldn't have bothered, but she comes in and she kicks ass, you know, and she's part of the family. Yeah. And, and it worked. Um, it was, I mean, that was really, really cool to, you know, to see her in the film. Um, so, so I, I love that, that like, it's okay to be over 40. That's something I loved about the, the Star Trek original series movies is that like, it's okay to be 60. You can still save the galaxy, you know? Um, but anyway, so back to Han, I really feel like thinking about this, like it was such a shock when Han dies at the end of Tokyo Drift, you just killed it. Like that, that was such a, like before game of Thrones, like such a heavy death, you know, cause everybody, I know you haven't watched game of Thrones and I love you for that. Um, but like everybody talks about in season one, how, wow, the main character like gets killed at the end of season one. I can't believe that. And that's like the big shock. And everybody's been trying to go for a similar big shock ever since, but fast and furious did it well beforehand, um, in Tokyo drift where like Han just dies at the end of the movie. And is, I mean, out of nowhere gets killed. And, and that was, I thought that was such a great moment. Um, this kind of fucks with that. That annoys me. Uh, but at the same time, do they want to introduce these younger characters? Right. Of course they do, because that's as great as it is that they're willing to show people over 40 kicking ass. They're not going to have access to those people forever. Right. And certainly not with the kind of action that these films quote unquote have to deliver. So you need to bring in a younger generation or a next generation of sorts. Um, I get that. I get why they're doing that. So, um, so that makes sense. But overall, Han coming back. I mean, so it sounds like you're saying you don't feel like you don't feel like it added a whole lot to the story. Yeah, I mean, they made they made it tie in and mm-hmm. they made it make sense. But I'm not really sure why they brought him back in this film because, and unless they really just felt strongly that they want to have the whole family back together yeah which i can appreciate that for sure um it just it it seems like if they want to use his character for something major again Mm -hmm. it's not in this movie it's going to be in a later one yeah but this brings up another point that i kind of wish they had done the opposite with brian's character Ah, because paul walker sadly is dead for a long time. Yes. Yeah. Um, and as tragic as that is, they're still pretending like his character is alive in these movies. And that really bothers me. Tell like, me about this. Tell me about this. <laughs> well, there's no way that they're ever going to replace him. I mean, they could like CGI over his brother's face. Which they did. Yeah. For the last movie he was in. Briefly. Like, yep. Um, and that might work for some scenes. Mm-hmm. But... I don't know. Something about that just really bothers me in the sense that, like, you know, he's he's not coming back. You can't keep living this lie. Mm-hmm. You have to bring it to a close at some point. Mm-hmm. Why hasn't his character been killed off in these movies? Everyone else's has, apparently. At one point or another. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, like, you you just have to end that at some point. You know, get, put, it, put him to rest. See, I don't... I hear you and I don't want them to, I really don't want them to do a CGI version. I just don't. 
You know, it, it feels kind of disrespectful. Yeah. If they wanted to recast, I'd be way more open to that than sure. doing a CGI version. Uh, and I think like the best comparison I can make is to Star Wars is to like what happened with Carrie Fisher, where she died before filming of, uh, of Rise of Skywalker even like really began. Um, and they used the CGI version of her and they tried to use lines from that they had filmed in B-roll and everything, blah, blah, blah. Um, see, I would have loved it if, because they kill off Carrie Fisher or, you know, they kill off uh, Princess Leia in, in Rise of Skywalker. I, I don't I don't see any need for them to have done that. I would have been totally fine if they just used her in holograms or whatever and just made her not central to the story and sure. and kept the character going. But so so a part of me is like is fine with the idea that that Brian is still alive out there. Okay, but it bothers me still that he's alive in the story, but they didn't even like show him at all. Yeah, even though they referenced him multiple times right. in the movie. Yes. So but so here, here's the thing though, is and I, I can see where you're coming from, is that like we're never I shouldn't say never, but we're probably never gonna get a Fast and the Furious book. Because besides me, who the fuck's gonna read that? <laughs> you know? <laughs> like the average person who sits down to watch Fast and Furious film is probably not a book reader. That sort of action would be hard to translate to the pages. Yes. Comic book, maybe you could pull off. Yeah, um, something with images, right? So, and 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 frankly, even Star Wars doesn't work well as books. Star Wars works better as, as it's a visual thing. It, you because it, it's also like Fast and Furious plays off the cool factor. So, I think Star Wars works better in comic books. But whatever, there's a long history of Star Wars books. So, Leia, you could have continue on in books and comics, right? Like an older Leia, you didn't have to kill her off. Brian, that's probably not going to happen in Fast and Furious, right? Um, so I hear you that they should have killed him off. I'll tell you, I think they're going to. I think in the next movie, that's going to be the crux. Because this movie ends sitting around the table, you know, and little Brian, Dom's son, is about to say grace. And then it, it appears that Brian pulls up in the movie, you know, or Brian's pulling up. but He doesn't get out of the car and it just stops on the blue car, right? I, I get the sense that like Cypher is going to kill him in the, in the opening minutes of, of fast 10. And that's going to be like, Dom's got to go get payback, you know, and the whole crew's got to go get payback. Um, that, that's how I think that's going to go down. Uh, but I, I don't, like, I kind of don't mind that he's still alive, but cause that seems respectful. But then at the same time, I do see where you're coming from, where it feels disrespectful. Yeah. And, like you said, if they do want to keep his character alive, then mm -hmm. make up something about how he had to get like facial reconstruction surgery and recast the, the yeah. actors. Yep. I'd be fine with that. Yeah. Because that, see, that's what I don't want. And I've talked about this in episodes of Sovereign Tech where um, like, and this is a problem with chatbots being made to emulate, you know, lost loved ones and whatever else. Uh, you know, that's not the person. And let's not pretend that it's the person, you know, CGI, whatever way that you're faking it. And so I just, I'd much rather them, yeah, recast it. And that way we can always say, okay, well, there's the Paul Walker, Brian, and then there's new guy, Brian. And that's good enough for me. Like, because that creates the real world separation between the honored dead, as it were, you know, and, and the franchise that lives on. 
Um, so, and, and, you know, speaking of that immortality thing that we were talking about earlier, I kind of feel like this would lend to, oh no, we're not immortal because, oh shit, Brian died. Right. Right. Uh, so I wonder if that was part of the setup. Um, I do think it's interesting that like they brought in a guy to replace Paul Walker's Brian in fast eight. This guy isn't even mentioned, isn't brought up is no part of this movie at all in, in, in fast nine. And I think overall they're planning on Cena being this replacement character for, for Brian, you know, like, because Brian was like a brother to Dom and well, now here's actually Dom's brother, you know, and then like, that's, that's kind of the emotional weight they want to go with. Um, yeah, I hear you that it, that it's, it's disturbing and it can, it feels disrespectful you'd say yeah there's just this cognitive dissonance i feel like Mm -hmm. it's i cannot accept that that is actually happening in the story right because i know he's not there right he's never coming back right so there's no way that they can bring brian back into the story even as much as they're trying to Mm -hmm. but he was you know one of the best characters he was the original character yeah yeah no he's the original hero of the series I mean, he really was. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I hear you. I hear you. That makes sense. Well, so there's that. That's a big part of the movie uh, that, that I think is worth paying attention to. Um, again, I really think it's going to get resolved in Fast 10. But now let's talk about talk about people coming back. So one guy that came back, speaking of Tokyo Drift, was actually kind of the the Brian character of Tokyo Drift, who was sort of the main hero and was Han's, uh, um, you know, was 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 under Han's tutelage in that film. When we get introduced to Han, uh, and that's oh man, I keep forgetting his name. <laughs> it's Sean Boswell, I think, is his name. Um, he comes back in this, and so he's like the Southern guy who is in Tokyo. But then he's back in this and he's working with a team on a rocket car a la Buckaroo Banzai, um, which was kind of interesting. And like the actor, I don't I don't know what made them choose him for Tokyo Drift, but like this guy has not aged well at all. And I mean, credit to I think they brought him back in like Fast Six. Uh, after after Han died, after they addressed the fact that Han died, uh, they brought him back to like to talk about it with with Vin Diesel. Um, but he's in here, and they don't even like say his name. Like you know who it is, and Han hugs him like towards the at the end of the film and everything. But they just don't address it at all. It's it's a very strange thing to have him in there. But it does lead to what I consider to be the highlight of the film which is that they do go to space. Now they go to space in a Pontiac Fiero. Pontiac Fiero, quick history, is infamous for a car that, like there's a reason Pontiac didn't make Fieros for long because the cars kept blowing up. Uh, They did not put the engine in the hood, in the front of the car. It's a very slick, sporty, 80s looking car. And the engine would overheat and the cars would literally explode. Well, there's a point where this Fiero, when they're testing, it does explode, which I think is one of the inside jokes. But they use this Fiero with a giant rocket on it to actually go to outer space. And Roman and uh, uh, Ludacris' character, they end up, they, they have to destroy the satellite. 
<laughs> they end up launching into space uh, to do it. I'll give them credit. Like that's preposterous that you could do that in a Fiero. I don't care how well you seal that thing. Um, but they did use a ramjet, right? Like it had to be on an airplane first. And somehow the, you know, Sean, this character from Tokyo drift, somehow he knows how to fly like B 52s now, <laughs> which is kind of weird <laughs> uh, or carrier planes anyway. And you know, they drop it, they get it up to the certain speed and then they drop it and that gets the jets up to the point. I mean, it operates like an actual ramjet, even if they don't describe it, I give them credit for like doing it in a somewhat realistic way uh, because it probably wouldn't make sense that like the amount of thrust to get you, it just wouldn't work anyway. So they do get into space in a Pontiac Fiero funny in and of itself. Uh, how did you feel about this whole sequence? Um, I mean, I, I thought it was kind of fun and believable because, mm-hmm. you know, they show the experiments they're doing on the runway. Like, right. it's not just this, um, the mechanic guy doing experiments. It, it, he's also working with a rocket scientist. Yeah. So, um, you know, I thought that <laughs> that was kind of neat to bring that in. And there's kind of a Three Stooges moment going on yes. there. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's funny. Uh even the dialogue that was going on when they were in the jet bringing the the car up into the upper atmosphere, mm-hmm. um, that was very funny. Yeah, yeah. But launching into space was, at first it was kind of ridiculous and cool, but then suddenly it became this immensely beautiful and historic moment. <laughs> and you can see the change happen. Mm-hmm. And like suddenly the sky goes dark and you can see all the stars and the two people in the car, Roman and Tej, I think that's what yeah, they call them in yeah. the movie. They, um, they're just looking out and they're like, wow, we're in space. Nobody's going to believe us. <laughs> it It's just nice that they really like take a moment to appreciate like, wow, no, nobody's ever done this. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, kind of. It's it's interesting, I think, that this movie gets released right around the time that Richard Branson does his horseshit with Virgin Galactic, uh, you know, first billionaire in space and whatever. And not that he really was, because I don't think he went that high, but or I know he didn't go. He didn't go into orbit anyway. That, that That's a whole other conversation to get into. Uh, but they go into orbit <laughs> like they, they go after they, they do go after the satellite. Um, yeah, I mean, they did it in a way as believable as possible for the nature of what's happening. Right. They're wearing scuba suits, too. Which is funny. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I don't know. You had to do it in a ridiculous fashion, I think, for it to make sense. Like, I predicted that this was going to happen. Like, they have to go to outer space. But did you think it was going to happen this way? No, no. So I thought that they would... And I was worried about this because like you, you can't put Dom in a space shuttle. That's just not, that's not going to work. Okay. He's not going to fit in the space. <laughs> well, that, that's see, that gets into another conversation, but um, yeah, he's not going to fit in the spacesuit. It, it, like I, I didn't know how they were going to pull this off. You know, like it, it really didn't make sense to me unless there was some like really advanced, I don't know, like a, like a, like a, X-24 Naspi or something developed by Lockheed. I don't know, you know, that, that, that they could, that they could get into. That was like a space plane. 
unless they were going to do something like that, I, I had no idea how they're going to pull this off. And, and frankly, if they did do it where he's just riding a shuttle, it just, it wouldn't work for me. Like I, I was like, eh, like you had to do it in a ridiculous fashion. And I think they did it in about the best way that they could. Thing is you got to do it again. You do it once, you know, I, I, I really think that by when we get, by the time we get to fast 11, in fact, fast 11, fuck that might happen on Mars. I don't, <laughs> you know, I wouldn't put it past it. Um, yeah, it was about the best way you could go about it. And it worked. I mean, and, and they, you know, run the, the Fiero through the, through the, the, the satellite, save the day. And they end up getting out of the car and, you know, literally hop into the international space station. Um, which I thought was, you know, okay. I mean, I would have loved to have seen some more of that footage because Roman on the International Space Station just being like, man, you eat that shit? You know? (laughs) Yeah, they tried to make it funny. Like, there's this ongoing joke about Roman always being hungry. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And he's, like, eating candy the whole time. We've been eating space food for two weeks. (laughs) Ted's just like, oh, you call Tootsie Rolls space food? Yeah, yeah. They're fat free. <laughs> so, yeah, I wouldn't have minded seeing some more footage of that, but it worked. It was somewhat believable, you know, and, and they got there. It happened. Yeah. And, and they bend the laws of physics in these movies all the time. Of I course. mean, it's just par for the course, especially with the uh, the big boss end battle sequence mm-hmm. where they're chasing down this armored vehicle. Right. And um, they've got these super powerful electromagnets right. in their cars. Right, that they can turn on and off. Right, and they're directional. Yeah. Uh, and apparently they only magnetize the things that they want them to magnetize. Yeah. <laughs> this gets into the part that I think was too clever. Continue. But they they can also do the reverse, which is like the, the anti-magnet. It's like repulsion. Right. Right, you can so, change the polarity, essentially. Yeah, I mean, I don't know that it would exactly work that way. No, but, <laughs> no. But I mean, they can they can draw things towards them really quickly, and they can also throw them away. Right, and that is the the big tech advancement that they use. It's like the cool hook that they use in the end battle sequence. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're kind of the the magnets are an element throughout the entire film, um, but they really get put to use like at the end. And it's, it's just, it's this device. It's a literal plot device, (laughs) but it's this device also that they just lean too heavily on. Like it's the, I get it. Justin Lin, the director wanted to deliver something different that we've never seen before. And so he had to come up with some technology that we've, you know, maybe never thought of before, never seen anything quite like it before. It delivers on that front. But, and and I don't want to say that something's unbelievable and so it throws me out of the film because we just got done talking about a Fiero in space. But, I, they, they just, it was it was too much a core of the movie that I, I just, I had, I had a hard time, like, I get it, I get what they were doing, but it just felt too clever. It felt overused. It felt, uh, too con- not, not clever, convenient. It was just too convenient for everything that was going on. And I agree, like the idea that it could be very selective of like, okay, it could pull a car through a building, 
but it didn't pull anything of the building through. Like right. it just like a lot of that stuff just didn't make sense. Uh, and was, I guess, a little too ridiculous. But you're not supposed to think about it. Right. <laughs> right. Right. But it also, at the same time, like, I didn't think it was, like, the action's great. Justin, like I said, Justin Lin's an awesome director. I love the guy. But, I, I don't know. It, it, it didn't work. Like, I mean, it worked. But it just wasn't, and maybe it was just too ridiculous for me that it, that it didn't fly. But... Yeah, it just felt like there wasn't that much on the line at yeah. that moment. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, like, credit to, so it feels like another, you know, uh, steroid, you know, steroided out heist movie where, okay, you have this, new, this it's another technology that can, like, destroy civilization as we know it, so we got to stop it, which is starting to feel a little overplayed in Fast and the Furious, right? Um, because they've done this before. Like that was the same thing that was in fast eight, uh, you know, and so on, uh, same thing in basically in fast seven with God's eye and whatever. Uh, so, I mean, at least in this, like they, they kind of neutered that threat pretty quickly and it turned more into just like, okay, take down the bad guys. But, yeah, I, I don't know. It, it wasn't, it didn't feel as, as well thought out and as like mission impossible level figure out how to stop this as, as previous films. Right. And, and the magnet thing again was, was just a little over the top, clever, but a little over the top. Um, give me something else. What, what else, what else are you feeling about this film? What other, what are the points did you want to get out about it? So that scene I was talking about at the beginning with Vin Diesel being the lion attacked yeah. by all the hyenas. Yeah. Um, it's actually really, I, I like that scene because he's basically being the decoy and defending everyone else who's hiding in this certain area of the bunker. Right, right. Um, and he's got like, I don't know, 20 or 30 guys on him and he's like trying to fight them all off. Yeah. And he just grabs onto these giant chains hanging from the ceiling and pulls down oh, like the Samson. roof. Yeah. 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 Just makes the whole like concrete ceiling collapse in. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and and that was I, I felt like that was a really spectacular scene. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's, you know, Don, the character of Dominic Toretto is a full on like blockbuster superstar. I mean, yeah. You really believe that he could do something like yeah, that. Yeah. Even though I, I like that scene too. And I like how, you know, like Letty rescues him, you know, when he falls in the water and mm -hmm. all that, that worked. Um, I also want to talk about the very beginning of the film that I thought was really cool where it's one of those things. If you're looking for it and you read into it, there's good shit there. But did you feel like Vin Diesel was looking small? I mean, I didn't really notice that. I think he just has a, a presence. But I, I wasn't looking, you know, with eyes on that sort of detail. Yeah. I I don't feel like he was as jacked as he's been in previous films. And maybe he felt he didn't need, need to be. I mean, granted, he is like 50. I get that. Um, but, you know, so is Michael Hearn. Uh, I, I don't know. I I felt like he he did not look as like massive as he had, like even in Fast 8. It just, it, it wasn't, wasn't necessarily there. Um, 
And I mean, Cena, you know, Cena looked huge, but of course, I mean, that guy takes so many fucking steroids, you know, out of, I mean, maybe it's surprising he can't act. Uh, but yeah, so that's just something I noticed that I felt like, eh, he wasn't like exactly, you know, there on that because that's part of like, I feel like that's part of Vin Diesel's like presentation is he's, you know, just a monster when you see him on screen. Um, but regardless, so the movie actually opened up speaking of the opening, the movie opened up and you find out that Letty Dominic and Dom's son, little Brian are like living in the middle of nowhere to the point that there's no phone service. Like there's nothing, you know, like they are out on a farm. In fact, he's working on a tractor and everything. Um, I, I love that. <laughs> yeah, I did too. I was yeah. really happy that they found the quiet life for themselves. Yeah. Yeah. And like they, you know, because a lot of the other films, it's like, Oh, we're going to get away from everything. And they're like in Bali or they're, you know, they're in some like kind of paradisical, you know, like setting. Um, I thought it was fantastic that, that Dom like knew you know, to really get away from everything. I can't have a phone. I, you know, like we can't have anything and we just got to be out there. And like Letty even says, oh, the water heaters, you know, out again. And he's like, you know, that's, that's the price of peace. Basically saying like, well, if you want to get away from it all, shit breaks often. And, you know, you got to be there to repair it and everything. And, and I just, I, I thought that was, that was really, really just a fantastic opening. Um, it seems pretty clear that they're, that they're not going back to that. Uh, but yeah. I mean, that, that was, I don't know. I, I just thought it was, it was nice. And it was, an, it was a very real presentation of guess what you want to go. You want to go out there. You want to be away from it all. That's what life looks like when you do that. You know um, there's trade-offs, right? Convenience and security as, as I often talk about. Um, yeah. So beyond that, what else you got? I mean, any, any issues with like the acting, any no not that i noticed i mean the again the biggest thing that bothered me was that they try to include brian and some mm-hmm. of the writing around that felt forced and unnatural yeah um like when they say don't worry our our son's in the best hands possible mm-hmm. and then mia says yeah they're with brian right it's like, okay, so Brian doesn't want in on this action now. He's just a babysitter. Like, yeah. Yeah, right. You know, it doesn't even put him in a light that we know him as. Like, exactly. He would have been there. Yep. Yep. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I think that speaks to like an, and I get it. They didn't even have to address that. But I, I think it speaks to it like an overall problem of there's just, there's stuff missing from this. There's either they, they, they address it and then you're like, oh shit. Yeah. Why isn't this here? Or it's just like, there's just stuff missing. And that's, it, it makes, it's still a great movie. Like I still think it's a great movie, but it, another you feel thing, it. Go ahead. Another thing that bothers me is that at the beginning of the movie, what kicks off all the action mm-hmm. is that they get this transmission from Mr. Nobody yep. on a tablet. Yeah. And he's basically saying that like he's been kidnapped or something and he's right. in trouble. And then you see Brian or I mean, um, Dominic's brother behind him, like pushing him 
Yeah, you see the cross, right. which only the, the Toretto's have. Yeah, Exactly. Yeah. We never find out what happened to Mr. Nobody. No. Well, again, that, that's another thing where it felt like, okay, this is just setting up for like, you know, the next two films. Yeah. Um, it just kind of felt like they forgot about him. There's no closure there whatsoever. Yeah. And it's not like Kurt Russell wasn't around because they filmed new scenes related to Han's death for Tokyo Drift, um, which included Mr. Nobody now. You know, uh, so, yep, that, they, I mean, they, they don't get into that at all. Like, nothing. And and it's kind of weird also because at the end of the movie, they're all kind of happy-go-lucky, you know, and they're all about to have dinner and everything. It's like, wait, but where's Mr. Nobody? Yeah, weren't you guys supposed to save him? Right, and Cypher's still out there, shouldn't you? Or unless they think Cypher's dead because she was flying the drone, not directly flying an airplane that Dom blows up. So maybe they think she's dead because, like, if if they knew she was alive, like, I can't believe they, you know. Well, you can't be out fighting villains every day. You've got to have family dinner sometimes. That's true, but you know (laughs) the villains are often out for some pretty hardcore revenge. So, well, anyway, I don't know. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I'm not really sure. This one didn't get wrapped up really cleanly. No, no, I I think this is this is an odd. This is a very odd man out entry in the series overall because again i feel like it's setting up for bigger things that will probably pay off over the next two movies uh but it makes this one kind of lackluster by comparison um also you know fuck like speaking of things that that just where it took me out of it that Dodge Hellcat, there's no way it's surviving landmines. I don't care how much you fucking reinforce one of those cars. It's just not happening. <laughs> That's that, funny. I thought you were going to say Cardi B. Oh, that, that too. Bring that up. Wow. What a, <laughs> what a, what a dumb move. Like, like that was such a, and I get it, right? Because we were saying, okay, everybody in this movie is over 40, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. how do you appeal to the young folk? Uh, well, I guess you bring in someone who's considered a, pop star or rap star or something that being cardi b who rescues uh uh, dom you know from from his brother's clutches right she plays she leads a team of women that are actually the the interpol Mm -hmm. like the police um which is weird nobody noticed well, and they don't talk about their connection they don't explain it at all they only include her in this one scene well, they say that she found it because so so um uh shit. Mrs. Shaw, like the, the, the head of the Shaw family, uh was a Helen Mirren's character oh, right. there. So she's the one that told Cardi B, it appears anyway, that she's the one that 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 told Cardi B, hey, you know, go rescue mm-hmm. have your gang or whatever, go rescue uh um Vin Diesel's character, you know, or go rescue Don. Because uh, she's in it, which I thought was great, you know, because then there's still that connection with the Hobbs and Shaw aspect and everything, um, because she got, you know, there's one of the funny moments of Hobbs and Shaw's where she's getting broken out of jail because they give her an explosive cake. And <laughs> anyway, so that happened. Um, but that that's the only explanation you get. But she just starts flapping her yap and it's just annoying. Like it, it, Yeah, it felt out of place. Yeah. Yeah, it, it it was like a guest star for a guest star's sake, and it just didn't work for the story. They could have done things like the the Russian um, mafia gal, 
in that we were introduced to in Hobbs and Shaw. It would have been great if it was her like that. I'm, I'm totally on board with, you know, a group of gals pretending to be Interpol and getting, you know, rescuing Dom. I think that's awesome, but it, it just, yeah, it, it just didn't flow. Like it, it threw everything off. It, it took away from, from like the narrative flow of the film. I thought just like suddenly there's Cardi B uh, and it was Cardi B, right? Are, are we certain of that? Yeah, it okay. definitely was her. All right. What do you, what else you got on that? I, I don't know. I just felt like it was strange. Yeah. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I mean, well, I think she had a hard time even doing that one scene. Yeah. I can't imagine they, they would have kept her around for filming too much longer than that. Yeah. I'm a little terrified if they're going to use her more for like 10 and 11. Um, I mean, see, here's the thing. When you use pop stars, pop stars are flavor of the month, unless you're like Madonna or Britney, you know? And so you're like bringing in a character that will mean nothing in five years or even less. And that, that's another part that we'll see me. about that. I mean, I would have felt a lot better about it if they had brought in someone like Beyonce. Yeah. Or Rihanna. Like, okay. There's somebody with like staying power and talent. Right. They've been around for like, you know, 15, 20 years at least. Right. Right. But and they the, have actual talent. Yeah. But see, I think that, and you're totally right. But I think that speaks to what the purpose of this was is, okay, we need that guest appearance that will get the little shits to go. I mean, sorry, little kids to go, you know, see the movie. Right. And yeah, it was just cheap. It was, it was really, really cheap. So (laughs) you're looking at me. Yeah. Yeah. I guess it was. (laughs) It's to me, it was the same thing as like, okay, let's put a 16 year old girl in this movie. Yeah. Okay, let's bring in Cardi B. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, what can we do to to make young audiences watch this movie? Yeah. And the, you see, here's the thing: when when I was a little kid, they didn't pull this, these kinds of stunts. Or, I mean, they I guess to some degree they would. They'd make shows that were clearly for teenagers or whatever. But movies were movies, and. Like, no, you know what? Captain Kirk's 50 and, you know, 13 year olds are going to go watch him and worship him. You know what I mean? And want to be him. And that's the difference. And like that, that, that's what ticks me off is that like, no, let's have role models that are fucking older that, that may, I'm not saying people should emulate Dom, but you know. Well, Dominic Toretto, Vin Diesel is a character, is an actor that people want to see i bet even young people would love to right. see that yeah they don't need anything more than that yeah so I, I i don't get when this mentality came in that you that like you can only the only way young people will watch your movie is if you have young people in it um i'd much rather i've always wanted to emulate adults when i was a kid i didn't want to emulate other kids like that's boring well yeah you were you were a weird kid though. well that's true Good point. <laughs> You're a mutant. I am. Yeah, that's that's true. <laughs> so, but really, I well, I, whatever, you know. I just think we might be better off if. Because we, we do live in a society that is obsessed not with perpetual youth, but with like perpetual mental youth and not like child look childlike wonder either. I don't mean that. Um, I just think there's problems when when. The characters kids have to look up to are other kids. And I also, I actually, I don't, 
I have a real problem with like adults writing young people. Like I, I think that's strange, especially like really young people is, 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 an, is just an odd thing, but whatever. Anyway, that that's getting into a completely different subject that we don't have to go down. Let's talk about fast nine. I guess we can kind of, you know, get into wrapping this up. Um, unless you have other comments on it, which I'd love to hear. No, I, I can't think of any right now. We've pretty much covered most yeah. of it. Well, what do you, what do you get out of 10? What do you give this movie? I think I'd still give it a seven out of 10. Seven out of 10. Yeah. It's still got the good action, mm-hmm. you know, the speed, the adrenaline. Um, it's funny. Yeah. So I, I enjoyed watching it. Yeah. 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 There's nothing like really wrong with it. It's just, there is a level of expectation for me and it just didn't, it didn't hit that. And also, again, it's like the first movie in this series where I'm like, wow, that was that was not as good as the last one. Yeah. But I do remember when we left the theater, I was like, holy shit, we were in there for three hours. Oh, it's a long movie. Yeah. Too. Yeah. Good point. This but is a very long film. I didn't feel that it was three hours. Right. It passed relatively quickly. Yeah. Yeah. A lot happens. Yeah. And, I was very action, engaged the whole yeah, time. Great pacing. I mean, that's Justin Lin. He's master at pacing. He, he really delivered on that. Um, good point. Yeah. I, I think I'm going to go with, with, with a seven out of 10. Like I, on a, I kind of almost want to put fast and furious movies on their own scale. You know, like where, where, okay. How does this rank in comparison to other fast and furious movies? Um, but like as a movie overall, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll give it a seven out of 10. Uh, I almost want to give it an eight just because of the space sequence, but it's not long. You know, it's like not, not as central, nor is it terribly long in the movie. So I, I can't really give it that, but I think that was the high note. What do you think was the high note moment for the film? Probably, uh, the beginning scene where they're, uh, driving oh, yeah. through Central America and they have to cross this minefield and then there's a bridge that falls apart. Right. Um, another moment where the laws of physics don't exactly yeah. apply. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, actually, a few. But yeah. I, I just thought that whole sequence was so fun and yes. really is what these movies are about. Yes. Is driving in fast cars and looking awesome. Yeah. Yeah. A sequence that, frankly, like three movies ago would have been the end sequence. <laughs> like that's sure. the point we're at, sure. you know, is that, no, that's the opener because there's some pretty amazing, like off cliff kind of stuff uh, that, that occurs mm-hmm. in it. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Do you, let me ask you real quick. Do you think like the physical action was kind of lacking? Like that there was sort of less going on, like one-on-one fights, you know? Yeah, I don't know. They tried to introduce some different elements of fight scenes. Like mm-hmm. they they had the 16-year-old girl fighting. Yeah. Uh, they had the two women, Mia and Letty fighting. Uh that was and cool. those I mean, yeah, it was it was cool. Mm-hmm. But they didn't get I think nearly as cool action as some of the other characters did. Yeah, true. Um though from what I remember, like I think Vin Diesel was the only other one that really had like hand to hand combat. Yeah. In this movie. Yeah. There were a lot of gunfight scenes. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Cause I'm just kind of like thinking back to some of the fight scenes, like against Tony John, ja like some of these, you know, really like big, big name actors and even actresses um, that I don't know, like thinking about it. Some of that, that felt like it was kind of missing as well. 
Um, but I agree with you. I think that that the, the opener, you know, with the minefield and everything was, was, was a, was a highlight of the film as well. Um, I couldn't believe it when they brought out the Fiero though. That was like, wow, Fiero, you know, like, like most people don't even remember the car. It was, it was really something anyway. Yeah. So seven out of 10, I don't know. It was, again, it's great. Like it's fast and furious movie. It's great. It's just not as good as really like the past five films, uh, in my opinion, like it, it, it doesn't live up to those. Uh, and a part of me wonders if it's like the rock not being there. Is he that much of an element, that much of an unconscious element? I, I, I don't know. A part of me feels like it was the story writing. Yeah. Well, again, Chris Morgan, not there. And he's the guy that wrote the past five films, you know? Uh, so I, I, th- I think you're onto something with that also. Yeah. Well, um, yeah. You know what? Last Sovereign of the Movies I did was Kong or Godzilla versus Kong. Yes. What did you think of that? Oh my God. Are we going to do a <laughs> just, follow up on that? Just, just quick. What did you think of that? Give it a, get it out of time. Uh, well, <laughs> I think that was another movie that was just made for the giant monster action yeah. sequences. Yeah. That was all that it was about. Yep. Um, and if you're watching it just for that, just for the sheer entertainment value, then yeah, it's, uh, it's good for that. Yeah. <laughs> um, really visually stunning. Yeah. The effects were good. Uh, the animation, some of the like concept art mm-hmm. was very beautiful. Um, I don't know. I mean, I'd probably give that a seven out of 10 too. I think that's what I gave yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. That's it was, fair. it was good. Like, I guess if it was, if you could just put all action movies, like all mindless <laughs> action movies yeah. onto their own scale, then maybe I would give it a higher rating. Yeah. Yeah. But since there are such great movies out there, like Cleopatra and Ben-Hur, I, I just don't feel right doing that. It's not there. No, yeah. I know. I know. It's not. It's not. <laughs> now. All right. But hold on. So there's that. Now we, but I recently, we watched Bram Stoker's uh, Dracula. By yeah, Francis we did. Ford Coppola. Yeah, we did. Uh, from, you know, from the 90s. What, what do you give that? Oh, my gosh. That one, I feel like I would almost give that a 10. Yeah. I know. I'm with you. That's a, that's a 10 out of 10 movie. <laughs> that movie's fucking amazing. Yeah. I can't <laughs> think of a single thing in there that wasn't right or that I didn't like. It was all perfect. Yeah. I mean, even Keanu Reeves, you know, he was Keanu Reeves, but he delivered. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Anthony Hopkins is phenomenal. I mean, everybody in it is amazing. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. All, all of the actors did a great job, especially um, v- Dr. Van Helsing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Anthony Hopkins rocking that. That was that yeah. was it was hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, wow. What a movie. Um, <laughs> We're just going to chop off her head. Stab her in the heart. <laughs> so, yes, it's going to be quite gruesome. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Yeah, but I really loved, like, even the way that movie was filmed. mm -hmm. It felt creepy and old. Yeah, I mean, there's this is a movie where you want to watch the documentaries on how they made it because they did it old school. Like Francis Ford Coppola said, no CGI, you know, no, no, no blue screen, none of that. We're going to do this the old fashioned way. Uh, And they did it. And yeah, hot damn, did that work? Uh, amazing. Um, so yeah, so 10 out of 10 on that one. Yes. Yeah, yeah. definitely. All right. So go, everybody, everybody go, watch it. Yeah. Everybody go see that. Even if you don't plan on seeing fast nine, go see that. Um, all right. You want to wrap this up? Yeah, let's, let's end it. All right. So that's it for, uh, this little episode of Sovereign at the movies. 
Uh, not so little, actually one fairly long, but that's the beauty of having the beauty that is Ellen Sovereign. On oh, thank you. Behind the mic. So <laughs> anyway, we'll wrap this one up here. Thank you so much for being on, Ellen, of course. Thanks for and, having me. Yeah, and we'll we'll have you on other episodes here soon. It doesn't just have to be Sovereign at the movies. So we will see everyone whoo, on the other side.